You're listening to the One Man Show Network. Hey, Popsicles, welcome to the Aaron Says What podcast. I am your host, Aaron Weinbaum, and I am getting ready to interview Dr. Pat Martin, a Tarkio superintendent, and I'm doing something a little tricky today. I'm trying to do this by phone, so we will see what happens. All right, I think this is going to work. Pat, are you there, brother? Hey, I'm here. Um, can you tell me, is this a X-rated, R-rated, PG-13, or G-rated podcast? What are my uh, boundaries? I need to know. I don't like that talk. I'm just kidding. We're good, man. We could we could cuss. We can do whatever, buddy. This is uh, this is explicit lyrics only. You do know what that's from, don't you? I'd be disappointed. Yeah, I think in so. That would be live soprano for those of you that don't know. I, I got all kinds of sound bites for you, brother. But on a more serious note, man, uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Patrick Martin. Doctor Patrick am, Martin. Uh, a former. Fraternity brother of Mr. Aaron Weinbaum. Yeah. Longtime friend. Um, I'm currently the superintendent of the schools at uh, Tarkio, Missouri. And the reason we are on a phone call today instead of Skype is because Tarkio doesn't have Skype yet. Is that correct? Um, allegedly. <laughs> we, uh, we did get our first bus rather than tying the horses up to the pole outside the... Uh, the uh, schoolhouse, and uh, we hear about this thing called the internet, so we're expanding our horizons in Tarkio, but uh, no, we do have Skype, but I just, the, the thought of seeing you is uh, was kind of intimidating, Mr. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, it's all new to me, too, and for those of you that don't know, Tarkio is a, a smaller town at that northern edge of Missouri, and uh, it's a great place, and I have a lot of friends from there, so they all know I joke, I hope, if, if they can get podcasts there, we'll see. No. <laughs> All right, buddy, you know, uh, I have you on here for a special reason. I want to play a little news clip for you. It's about two minutes long, and, you know, they just kind of get the spe- specifics out of the way, and then I just really just kind of like you to tell your story if you don't mind. That sounds great, brother. All right, hang on. New details emerging tonight after an alarming discovery across the state line in Tarkio, Missouri. A high school student caught on campus with more ammunition than there are students. We first told you about the investigation one week ago. Good evening, I'm Jennifer Griswold. And I'm Craig Negrelli. Today we discovered new information about the arrest of Michael Knoth about 80 miles south of Omaha. And what we uncovered when we went digging for details in the Tarkio Police Chief's report is downright stunning. This probable cause statement indicates that 19-year-old Michael Knoth went to Tarkio High School last week wearing military-style clothing and tactical assault ballistic body armor. The chief's report says Knoth showed another student a fully loaded magazine of ammunition. The other student told the teacher, and this man, Tarkio Superintendent Pat Martin, got involved. Martin pulled the teen out of the classroom, took him to a different room, and had the police called. Knoth attempted to leave. That's when Superintendent Martin grabbed his backpack. And this is what the police statement indicates he found and gave to the arriving police chief. Two 33-round fully loaded magazines for a 9mm handgun. Two 17-round fully loaded magazines for a handgun. Three 28-30-round fully loaded magazines for assault rifles. 
a 9mm Glock pistol with a 17-round magazine and hollow-point-style ammunition with one round in the chamber. At that point, police arrested him and put the school on lockdown. They then searched his pickup truck in the school parking lot. The police statement indicates they found two 33-round fully loaded magazines for a 9mm handgun and 12 28 to 30 round loaded magazines for assault rifles. Later, investigators went to his house. Armed with a search warrant, they located two assault rifles. I did the math. That's three guns total and at least 575 rounds of ammunition. According to this same report, Knoth told investigators he did research on the internet on mass shootings and the errors that police made in responding. Tonight, he's in custody at the Atchison County Jail. Prosecutors have charged him with making terror threats and gun count. All right, so that was from uh, KMTV CBS affiliate in Omaha, Nebraska. Man, I I first heard about this, and you know, uh, you know, I have a network of friends that keep me uh, in touch with things, you know, and uh, I I couldn't believe it. I immediately reached out to you, and this was probably the day or the day after it happened, and you were still in shock. But man, what? What is your take on these events and, and, and what transpired that day? Yeah, um, Aaron, you and uh, we obviously have a good core group of friends that are yes, always there do. for each other. All times, that's what uh, old Ag Sig taught us. But it was, uh, it really didn't hit, you, hit me until after everything was over. Um, you know, that day started, we had had a uh, school board meeting the night before and you know, there'd been just a bunch of stuff going on, and I was trying to sort out that mess and, you know, communi- communicating with the personnel and staff and the different board members, you know, trying to get stuff fixed up. And uh, my my building principal was at a uh, professional development conference, so, you know, any sort of discipline action fell on, on my lap that day. So mm-hmm. getting an email from a teacher telling me that uh, a student had told her that, uh, Michael had uh, live ammunition on him, and, you know, I first saw it, and I was like, you know, it's one of those cry wolf days. You Obviously, you got to take all those situations seriously, which we did, but, you know, you, you know they're teenagers, so you hear things, and sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, but, you know, you got to take them all serious. So I called uh, Officer Gibbons as I was walking to the classroom where he was at, told him I needed him on site ASAP. So when I get to the room, um, I see Michael, and he's in, a, he's in full Desert Storm camos. He's got a tactical vest for those not real knowledgeable for military. It's just like a, a vest that straps around the, on the sides and, and holds ammunition. And, you know, the thing about Michael is this is his, was his third year here, and when I tell you he wore shorts and T-shirt mm-hmm. every single day, he wore shorts and T-shirt. I mean, even when it was negative 10 up here in, in the tundra, he had that on. So when I saw him, it just, it's weird to talk about your tuition, but, like, my sixth sense was, like, this is not good. So when I saw him, <clears throat> I went in and, I you know, told him that we had to, had to leave and go back to my office. And, uh, you know, my relationship with him prior to that day was nothing but respectful and cordial, um, at least from where I sat. And it was instantaneously defiant. He made a big scene. He's 
he really is a quiet young man. And uh, so I kind of had my left hand on his right arm as we were walking out, and I was watching his left hand to see what, you know, he was going to do. So conveniently enough, right across our hall is our in-school suspension room, and there's, to try to give a visual, there's an outer room with like four or five desks, but there's a back room that was the principal's office way back in the 90s when I was in school, and, there, you know, it's, it's completely isolated, no windows, mm-hmm. nothing, and uh, so we get in there, I say, you know, Michael, you know, do you have anything you shouldn't have on you? And he just he, he just started talking really fast. He's like, yeah. you know, these aren't real bullets. Oh. You know, I got my concealed carry. Just just completely out of character. Yeah. So I said, Michael, I'm going to need you to take off your vest. So he willingly took off his tack vest. And the I'm going to do my best to remember specifically what was where. I, I may be off a little. It's been, this was in February. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so we took off the vest, and I believe there were three magazines of AR-15 uh, clips in his tag vest. I don't, for those who haven't ever seen these, these are large bullets that would blow very large holes in human beings. So we take that off, and right then I'm like, you know, Michael, what, what are you doing, man? And he, you know, he's trying to explain himself, and, you know, it's just for show, and, you know, I'm kind of talking to him about, how, you know, it's not okay. I said, you know, do you have anything else? And I said, I'm going to have to check your pockets. And he goes, all right. So I, I patted his legs, and I believe it was three and a half. He had a three-and-a-half-inch knife in his right uh, thigh pocket. In um, his left pocket, he had another fully loaded nine-millimeter magazine. And I was like, Michael, this is not good, man. And at this time, it's just me and uh, our ISS coordinator, our uh, basketball coach, was kind of standing keeping guard, looking out, waiting for Officer Gibbons to get there. We had a, a green backpack um, in front of them, and this still could go to trial, so I can't be 100% right, right, right. specific. But he was not wanting me to have the backpack, but I ended up with the backpack. And um, inside the backpack was a 9 millimeter, fully loaded, one in the clip, and... I honestly don't remember how many magazines were in there, but I know in that office there were more bullets than we have in our entire school district. And so when I got the backpack, he was in a back corner at that point sitting down, and Officer Gibbons came in and uh, put him under arrest. Um, We had the school... uh, take a step back. I had called down when I put him into the room in isolation. I put the school in a lockdown, which is basically everybody locks their doors, shuts yeah. the light off, get where, you know, somebody's walking by, they can't see you. And, uh, so Officer Gibbons comes in, we arrest him. Um, we take him out. Um, at this point, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Um, those are no Tarky will laugh. One of our, uh, <laughs> county sheriff, <laughs> sheriff, uh, department officer, uh, one of our county officers shows up, and he's <laughs> he's in his tack vest, and he's wearing like these 1982 sweatpants, like <laughs> tight to his his ankles. And I won't say his name to not embarrass him. I was like, yeah. you know, what the hell are you doing, man? He goes, well, I heard you had a you know 
active shooter or whatever, and I said, you were in those sweatpants, you deserve to get shot. <laughs> we'll just call him Officer Tackleberry for the purposes of this. <laughs> but this guy is a, this guy I'm jacking with is about five years older than me, I went to school with him, yeah. he's badass, he's wonderful at his job, we, just, we have a good relationship. Yeah. So anyway, he and I go in, while Michael's being taken downtown, you know, we go classroom to classroom. I would go in first to tell the kids, I was like, look, there's going to be, you know, officers with automatic weapons coming in here. Don't be frightened. You know, yeah. we're just trying to make sure everything's good. Um, then the highway patrol came. Um, they searched every nook and cranny in our, in our building. I'm talking in every locker, underneath the auditorium. I mean, you name it, right. they searched it. Um, kind of on a side note, the, the governor's office called three different times while this was going on. Um, so in the meantime, our, uh, our county prosecutor showed up to get a warrant for Michael's house. He kind of, it was his father's house, but Michael had kind of raised himself. I mean, I, I had never met his mother or father yeah. until after this incident, and, uh, so at his house, like it said on the clip, what ended up being two illegal uh, automatic weapons. Um, one of them was sawed off, and the reason they saw those off is for easier concealment and just, you know, like close to a 1,000 rounds of, you know, automatic weapon wow. bullets, AR-15 and such in his house. Um, the other kind of what that news clip didn't say also that is public record that I can speak on is in his initial interrogation he mentioned that it was our uh homecoming week so at the end of each day we have like a 15 20 minute assembly right without being prompted he brought up the assembly at the end of the day uh, and he also brought up that he knew that our building principal was gone that day and it, so it was like a dress-up day theme was, am i wrong there what's that was it like a dress-up day theme there yeah, it was, that day you were supposed to dress like what profession you wanted to be. So, you know, we had people dressed like doctors, farmers, you know, lawyers, what, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there were people that were smart outlets dressed up like, you know, the coaches to be funny. But, you know, <laughs> so he, in his mind, he wanted to go in the Marines. And, but like I said before, he had, I mean, we've had this, the homecoming festivities forever and he had, this is the first time I'd ever seen him in anything but shorts and a T-shirt. Right. Um, so that happened. He went to county. Um, we kind of got to a point where, oh, let me, th through the rest of that day, the, the law enforcement was, I mean, from our city police to our county to the highway patrol, I mean, it was really impressive how efficient they were uh, during this whole process. Um, we have a text alert system. So the gal that sends out our text alerts, I had her with me. Right. And so like every, I mean, cause we, our kids have cell phones. So, you know, when we put them in lockdown, I mean, there's crap on Facebook, you know, just false information. And, right. you know, we're on lockdown, the parents can't get in. So you gotta love you know, Facebook. Go ahead. You gotta love Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, besides science and medicine, I'd be fine if we were in, like, 1984 technology, <laughs> <laughs> especially in a school system. But anyway, so I'm sending out official alerts when I get to go ahead from the law agencies that it's okay. Like, 
Initially, after we had Michael in custody, I sent one out that said, we had a student with firearms in his possession. We are in lockdown. Everyone's safe. More information to come. When we got released from lockdown, you know, I said something similar, pretty generic, and then I typed up a letter that I sent home with each and every student, you know, explaining what had happened, you know, to communicate with families. Uh, so we got taken to county. Um, everything was so fast that day, like, you didn't really have time to, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't scared and upset until after the fact. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when word started spreading, I mean, you know, when you see the kids crying in the hallway, I mean, we had teachers that missed a couple days, yeah. you know, because they had them. And, you know, we brought in counselors, you know, that next week to help the kids, you know, kind of get through. I mean, ultimately, when, I, when those parents or guardians drop the kids off, but get them the home safe ultimately falls at my feet. You know, I got a lot of people on our team that, you know, helps with that. But, you know, the, the fact of having to look a parent in the eye and say, sorry, I couldn't keep your son or daughter safe is enough to keep you up at night. So, you know, when that hit, it, I didn't, I barely slept for probably the next three days. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just thinking over and over what we could have done different. You know, what the thing that kind of fast forward a little bit, he, he went to county, they figured when they, when the feds, got involved and were able to transport him down to the federal holding place in Kansas City. I got called down uh, to testify. You know, I've done a lot of public speaking in my life and been in front of people, but I'm here to tell you, when you walk up onto a stand in a federal courtroom and they bring out one of your former students in yeah. shackles and there's armed marshals there, I mean, it takes the wind right out of your sails. And I'm also here to tell you, uh, our U.S. attorneys, and the ATF agency, they are amazingly good at their job. And when they come out to do their <laughs> business, you talk about focus, man. It's, yeah. They are on point. So as it stands now, his next uh, hearing is in September. He's in Leavenworth, and that's kind of where we're at. That's insane, man. And, and the fact that you recall it so well, I mean – I just remember we texted back and forth. Another friend of ours, Matt Lester, he immediately texted me. He's like, "What's Pat's number?" And uh, you know, we we were back and forth for a few days, and I could just tell you were just in shock. I mean, and it, what a it, it probably after those three days, it was probably quite an adrenaline dump for you. Yeah, it's it, it it's hard to. It was just weird. It, it was like surreal, like in that room your fight or flight kind of comes in. And, I, and there's a lot of people, the, the student that reported it, the teacher, I mean, they were all involved. But, I mean, if I followed it by the letter of the law, I should have waited, especially if he was armed. Well, I should have left him in that room and waited for the law agency to get there. But besides every kid in there, you know, I, my, I have three nieces. and I mean, it's a small town. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter which kid it is. It's my job. But you're right. just like, this ain't, this isn't, going to happen on our watch and and yeah it it was an adrenaline rush and you know you went from being high and and feeling strong to yeah. just you know just like sadness and you know like when i saw michael come out in those shackles in that orange jumpsuit you know i thought about i mean i i talked to that kid i mean it was, you know you see all the kids every yeah. single day in school you know and you think about all the good conversations you had with them and it just kind of tears your heart up. But then I also think, 
I could either deal with this or I could have been going to 15 to 20 funerals. Well, I mean, I mean, did you even ever size him up as someone that could do that? Or, I mean, was it just an absolute shock to you? Well, closer to, I wouldn't say absolute shock. Yeah. If you'd asked me a week before that, in our school, if I had to write down five kids that I think would be capable of it, to be quite honest, I wouldn't have chosen him. Yeah. But after the fact, when you piece different things together, and I'm, you know, these are private conversations he and I had, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it. He wanted to be in the Marines really, really bad. Yeah. And he had failed his physical twice. And my theory is that he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And I think he was just kind of lost. I mean, he is. He is, my hope for him is he comes out on the other side of this, a, a better man, and yeah. is ready to come out to society. And, you know, I talked to the attorneys down there, and they said he was a model prisoner, and just, yes, sir, no, sir, which is not, I mean, he's a very charming young man. I mean, if you talk with him, it's it's hard not to like him. But yeah. he, he didn't like authority. He's extremely intelligent. And if he thought you were wronging him or disrespecting him in any way, shape, or form, you could have a little bit of a situation, depending on which staff member it was. But not absolute shot, but I I wouldn't have guessed it. I sure wouldn't have guessed it. And it was just by chance. I mean, are you normally stationed out of the high school every day, or you just happen to be there? Uh, No, my office is in the high school. Okay, Um, Okay, good. No, he was on the second floor, and I'm kind of in the north, uh, or I am in the northwest corner. I mean... You can get to, from point A to point B in our high school in one minute if you're, you know, humping. So it, it didn't take me long to get up there. But, you know, I in my past, I've worked in <laughs> metro schools, you know, in Kansas City and Columbia. Yeah. And, you know, I've unfortunately had to wrestle with my fair share of students, and that was just part of the job. But it was kind of weird because, you know, and you still think in small-town Turkey you're going to have to worry about that. You know, yeah. Kind of like I had the tiger focus has dropped just a little bit, but it clicked on. So you know, I I can't. I, here's what's difficult for me is, um, you know, it it didn't make national news as much as it should have because nobody got hurt. And that's crazy I, to me. You know, I had a bunch of people tell me the same thing. It's like, unfortunately, it's the society. Uh, it's the society we live in. If you turn on depending on your political views, MSNBC or Fox, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, if you watch 10 stories, nine of them are going to be negative and maybe one of them will be positive. I mean, it just, it doesn't sell. But, you know, you hear, you're exactly right. We prevented a tragedy, so it's not that big of a deal. I mean, other than the Omaha station, other than like that initial day or two after, we had zero media contacts with us. Well, you certainly don't want any uh, anti-gun nuts coming down to Tarkio because that's the wrong place for them to go. <laughs> that's, uh, that would be about like a pregnant pole vaulter in this area. I don't think uh, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the whole gun control thing because, you know, I, you and I are pretty similar. I mean, it's just like drugs. If people want to get drugs, they'll get drugs. You know what I mean? And uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, kind of you saying that just triggered this thought that we found out after the fact. I guess the night before his uh, girlfriend told the police that he had been out target shooting with his AR-15 and his 9. So, but yeah, I I'm, couldn't agree more on, on gun control. It, 
it, I, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I know you. you are, man. And, you know, I, I do think there should be some mental screenings and whatnot, you know, especially at certain ages. But, you know, it's, it's unfortunately with gun well, well, let me Let me tell you this. You know, like, and I don't, in a million years, I don't want to compare this to Sandy Hook because that's yeah. the worst tragedy. No, that's awful. But here's the, here's what you run into in a public school. So let's say we had some signs that Michael might be capable of this, but we don't have any hard and fast evidence. So we can only push it to a certain point without violating his rights, and we have to allow him on our campus. Right. And at one of my former schools, here's an example. At one of my former schools, we had a young man that tried to slice his throat on a Sunday, came to school on that next Tuesday and we had had some difficulties with his parents and we told him until he had a psych evaluation that he was, you know, okay, we weren't going to let him on campus, you know, for protection of the environment. Well, he comes back with a note on Thursday and so he's there Thursday and then on Friday uh, we had a teacher that had to get him because he was standing in the hallway just repeatedly bashing his head into the wall. So it's... It's a delicate dance. I mean, there's steps you can take yeah. to try to prevent it. But just like a lot of things in society, when you infringe on somebody's rights, you know, it, it's just one of those deals. I mean, I don't... I don't if, if there was a black and white answer to solve, you know, kids committing violence in, in schools, boy, I, I'd be all for it. But I just, I just don't think one exists. It's so, it's so fluid on each individual. Yeah. No, I understand. And by the way, if any of my anti-gun friends are listening to this, don't fucking bother emailing me. I, I don't want to. I'm He likes to combat. That's yes, right. I, 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 I don't like to combat. I'm just right all the time. That's the way it is. So anyway, no. All right. So let's get into this a little deeper. One is just not born to be mentally prepared at this. You know, you have had some other factors in your life that led you to be ready for this moment. You know, it, it, stuff I didn't know. I didn't know until this whole thing happened. I'm like, holy shit, you know, I'm I'm lucky to get on a freaking mountain bike and go six <laughs> miles, you know, on a trail. You know, my, I, I, uh, my body didn't quite hold up as well as yours. You know, I'm in decent shape. But then I hear about what you're doing. Get into that with, you, with me, if you don't mind. Yeah, so <clears throat> my uh, wife um, went to college and was friends with a gal named uh, Jessica Mason. And when my wife and I first started courting, we went to Jessica and her husband Matt's wedding. Matt, fast forward, uh, ended up being on SEAL Team 6, and um, I had the privilege to be around him a handful of times. and. It, you know, everything you read about, about, you know, humbleness, servitude, et cetera. I mean, Matt would be in a room with, uh, you know, guys that are all American football players at Northwest. or I mean, just a lot of alphas. And people flocked to him, you know, like he was, you know, the lead singer of the Rolling, you know, Mick Jagger, whatever. Yeah. And he was just pure, humble. On, I, mean, I can't say enough good things about him. So, long and short... It really made an impression on me, and uh, he was in Afghanistan, and we won't take the time to go deep into detail, but he was on Extortion 17, and that was a helicopter 
uh, being shot down in Afghanistan. Uh, I believe it was 22 SEALs were on there. There's a great book talking about all the... Can I lower up your Obama? Do you actually have Obama supporters that listen to you? Is that is that a thing? It's do I have a lot of what supporters? People that like Obama. Do they uh, listen to you? You know, I weirdly enough on Twitter, a lot of them follow me, but it's okay. I don't I don't care. I mean, it is what it is. Well, man. I am. Uh, let's just say I'm not Obama's biggest fan, yeah. and there's a lot of things that. Uh, anyway, I'm getting off topic. It was a tragedy. A lot of American heroes lost their lives. So when Matt died, I. It was, you know, being at his funeral and all of the services, and it just, you know, there was just a continual message of, you know, you're always capable of more. You can always do more. What are you doing, you know, with your life, et cetera. And, you know, I've always been in sports and working out and everything. So when Matt passed, I, uh, I found uh, this commander, Mark Devine, runs a program called Seal Fit, and it is in Encinitas, California, which is more or less a suburb of San Diego where the, where the SEALs are trained for buds. They're um, six-month evolution to, get, to become SEALs, to get the trident. So anyway, I just kind of started on that, and uh, they have their pinnacle event is called Kakora, and it is... Uh, based on the Navy SEAL Hell Week, and it's 50 straight hours of training. They, uh, the only thing that they don't let us do that the SEALs actually get to do is, you know, blow stuff up and uh, jump out of airplanes. Right. But um, just I cannot put into words. I'll, I'll give you a few, <clears throat> few examples of some things. So okay. 50 straight hours, no sleep. Yeah. Um, you show up, it starts at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning, at least the one I went to. And so, you, and this event is put on by current and former Navy SEALs and Navy SEAL instructors. So, they have this person greet you, you know, you're in, uh, you're in a t-shirt with your name stenciled on the front, everybody looks the same, black fatigues, black uh, combat boots. Right. And you're, and you're lined up there. And much like one of our fraternity events, Bomber, where you stand on the line forever and nobody comes. Um, <laughs> Bomber is you, my nickname from college, by the way, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> so you know all hell's about to break loose. Right. And you're, you're standing there. I, there was like, I think there was 25 in my class. And all of a sudden, like, sirens start going off, uh, smoke machine. They have uh, flare guns, Hell's Bells is just blaring. The instructors have uh, bullhorns. Um, they have water hoses. Uh, there's horse tanks filled with uh, bags of ice. And they just come up and start beating your ass down. And when I say beating your ass down, I, unless you're there, you really cannot understand the intensity of it. Yeah. I mean, these guys, it takes, I mean, in my 41 years of existence, at this point in my life, it takes quite a bit to really rattle me or shake me or get me intimidated. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was to that point. So you're doing push-ups, you're doing burpees, you're doing sit-ups. They're spraying water in your face. Like, and you fill out this big uh, biography of yourself to get accepted so they know like all the details of your, I mean, many details of your life. So, so that fuck with you mentally a lot, then I guess. So I, they knew I was a superintendent, so I was doing push-ups, 
And there were three of them. One of them was just pouring a bucket of water on the top of my head. Oh. One of them was spraying me right in the face with a hose. And they, <laughs> they were like, Martin, you're, you're in charge of the school. If I saw a daughter with her, I'd pull him out because I wouldn't want him to be a fucking pussy. I can't believe they let you lead children, you fucking pussy. Oh, wow. You know, and it was just on and on like that. Um, so I could be an instructor probably. I couldn't probably get through the yeah, program. You would, uh, I think you'd hold your own bomber. I think you'd, you'd definitely have, uh, you missed your career calling. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I could probably go through the training if there was like a massage therapist on hand. You know, <laughs> you know if I get a kink in my leg or back or something like that. You know, I had some neck surgery. And I, you know, whatever. So just a couple other quick things to kind of, there's 50 hours, you can do a lot of stuff, but the ocean was a half mile away from us. Yeah. So if we fucked up, they would tell us to go get wet and sandy. I was in the pool! Sorry, I had to. (laughs) (laughs) So we'd have to run half mile, submerge ourselves in the Pacific Ocean, cover ourselves head to toe in sand, and then run a half mile back. Oh my! Now inevitably we'd get back, they'd look at us, they'd say it wasn't good enough, so we'd have to go back again. I mean, that, that went on and on. Another thing that was somewhat hard was they would put you in these horse tanks that were it had bags of ice, just cold, cold, cold. Oh. And you can think of like a big Gatorade bottle. Yeah. They would, put, they would push you under, and you would breathe through like the tiny area of the Gatorade bottle, and then the top part was outside of the water. So you're freezing ass cold. You've been yeah. getting your ass kicked, and now you're underwater having you know, struggling to breathe. And just a lot of like our pledge to ship stuff, bomber, like they get you rattled but they ask you, you know, questions that you were supposed to know the answer to, you know, like what an instructor's name was, what the seal ethos is, yeah. the poem Invictus. So there's that. And then surf torture is, uh, well, first of all, you might think living in Missouri that, you know, going to San Diego, the, the ocean's going to be warm and feel good. <laughs> I went at the end of June, and, you know, at one in the morning, somewhere roughly there on the first night, we lock arms, you lay down with your back, so like the back of your head's facing like the ocean if you're going off into the sunset, and you would just stay there with the waves rolling over you, and come to find out we were there four hours, I mean, four hours, stop and think how long four hours is, and they... They would get us up, what we were told later was like every 15 to 20 minutes to check for hypothermia. And how they check for that is they would have us, if you couldn't raise your arms above your head, it's a sign of hypothermia. So if if people, (laughs) that didn't happen to me, but if you did that, they would make you run and do push-ups until you could do it, and then you'd go back in the ocean. And, you know, they'd shine a light in your eyes to check your pupils. But, you know, as bad as that sucked, it was also, I mean, those guys... I didn't think I could think any higher of those guys going out there, but the, those seals are better than you, what you think you know about them. They're even better. And what I'm trying to get to is they get you to a point where you fail so you can succeed. Right. You know, until you pass that boundary where you get to a point where you fail, like also, you know, the, like the team part of it, like it sucks so bad that when you focus your attention on, the, on your classmates it, it took the pain away, you know, and we, we were singing Flintstones and Christmas carols and shit. I mean, even <laughs> in the misery, you know, we were laughing. I mean, don't get me wrong, we wanted it to end. Yeah. And then kind of the last big thing I wanted to talk about is we went to, uh, I don't even know the name of the mountain, but, it, you know, they put us in these vans and it's 
oh, it was 25, 30 minutes from the compound. And it was a 13-mile ruck up a mountain, like around. And you would, we wore a back, a ruck is a backpack, and we had 60-pound sandbags oh, in them. Oh, shit. Plus, plus we had these 15-foot sticks that were supposed to emulate our weapons. So we're in the, you know, we've done all this shit. We're in the dead of the night. We're going up a 13-mile hill. And the seals would, like, disappear. And so we'd all be, like, in our in our teams. or You know, they broke us off into Alfred, Bravo, Charlie, yeah. whatever. And then they'd come out <laughs> shooting fake, I, what I assume were blanks and flare guns. You hope it was, right? <laughs> and then we'd start doing physical training again. We'd be doing, you know, like, we don't want you to get soft going up this pussy-ass mountain. So they'd beat our ass again. And that, I mean, that went up on for 13 miles up the hill and 13 miles back down. And that was day one. So, I mean, it, those guys are absolutely incredible. The, just the mindset, the psychology, and, you know, that's what motivated me to go there. But, yeah. you know, I used to think, and during the long, I still love my Royals and Chiefs and Tigers and stuff, but I wear, I used to wear Royals jerseys, but I wear every SEAL T-shirt or everything I can now because those guys in the military are, are the true heroes, especially the, the SEALs. Yeah, they are, and yeah, that's crazy that you you did that in your adult life, you know, pushing 40, and... uh, Oh, I'm 41, Aaron Bomber. I'm 41. (laughs) Aaron Bomber. (laughs) I'm 42, I guess, so, yeah. Well, one thing to kind of tie it, and you may have been getting ready to prompt me, but you know I like to hear myself talk. No, it's all right, brother, so do I, so... So, one of Commander Devine's like major tenants or uh, or things with his program is having an offensive mindset and being a sheepdog. You know, the old saying, there's there's wolves in the world, there's sheeps, and then there's the sheepdogs to protect him. And he's always, you know, preaches being sheepdog strong. So, I mean, it sounds corny and cliche, but that was going through my mind when I was going up there. I'm like, you know, it's my job to protect these people and not sit around and wait and hope somebody else does it. I mean, I have an opportunity to do something, and that you know that was my intention. But yeah, how the so fuck? It's, it's really an amazing experience. I was gonna say, how the fuck are we forty? By the way, you know, I think that <laughs> uh, I, I think it's just by, it's like the rings around the trees. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my uh, students that I'm in charge of are more mature than both you and I. It was, the girls put sure. together. <laughs> but, uh, I can laugh at farts. You know, it's, I, it doesn't take a lot to get me giggling. So, uh, yeah, it's bomber. It's tough, man. Yeah, man, it is. But I, I agree. You know, you and I have always had a young mindset, and you know, we. I, I, I always had a blast with you, man. And uh, you know, you, your older brother, all, all your, all, all the guys from Tarkio, all the guys from the fraternity. Yep, we uh, we had some fun. Um, you know, for Aaron's listeners. Uh, because my we were in the annex together. Was it second semester of my freshman year? Or was that my sophomore year? It would when be, you were there in that first door in the annex. Uh, I think it was my senior year. I lived in there. So, do the well, anyway. It's it's irrelevant. But the point of the story is, I'm a huge diet coke drinker. Yeah. And you know, there's there's an old saying that in the house, which is 100 percent true, that you know you can leave hundred dollar bills sitting around and nobody take them. <laughs> But if you left soda or quarters around, they'd be gone in a heartbeat. Yep. And I, I'm pretty sure one of the main reasons besides I, I do consider Aaron a very good friend that I came on here is I think 
my Diet Coke tab to Aaron is, is still pretty, pretty steep. <laughs> well, that was so funny. I come in there. Well, it, you would like if here's the problem with that. It, I could live with it if there's one or two left, but you would you would bleed me dry if I remember correctly. <laughs> like I go in there and there'd be none. Yeah, it's funny. I won't even touch it. I won't touch the stuff now. But I mean, uh. I'm a firm believer in Darwinism, wine bomb. It's all about survival, and you know, college can be tough, and I needed my DC. <laughs> God dang! Uh, I mean, I, mean, I would just fucking go there. My fridge would be empty. I mean, I'd still have fucking beer in there. My diet coke would be gone. You know, <laughs> no, nobody would touch my beer. Anyways, but... I lived with uh, Landon and I were roommates at that point. Yeah, and we we'd be in there. We just hear you go. Bang! <laughs> 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 you just figured out I took your last diet coke. <laughs> well, now I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was there with with with. Uh, I, I had graduated, and you had the one man room after me, because and uh, so I, I I was there. You were gone that weekend. I was there for whatever reason, and uh, I just may have had a little too much to drink that night, and I ended up kicking in your locked door and slept in your room that night. So <laughs> <laughs> just all my old instincts kicked in. I'm thinking, and I kind of remember it. I'm like, oh, why the fuck's this door locked? I, I actually just right. kicked it in and slept in there, <laughs> and then I left. Right. Well, well deserved. You know, great men fight great wars, and you <laughs> bed that night. So yeah, whatever war I was fighting, I don't know, but uh, shit, man. Uh, no, I always had a blast with you, man, and, and much respect to you. And, and you were always one of my favorite underclassmen. You know, we, we always kind of bonded together, and. Uh, you know, it was probably, it was, uh, you know, your brother, me, and uh, you, we had our love of pop culture, and... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Bob, you know, not to blow sunshine up your rear, but yeah. uh, no, I remember, do. you know, Casey and White, you know, I knew White from Casey, you know, and, they, and you were one of the first people, you know, besides Graves and Lester, they yeah. were like, you know, Bomber will shoot you straight, he's a good dude, so, you know, latch on to him, so, they were right with that. Here we are, however many years later, still busting balls. So we are, and, and unfortunately, it took a, a death of a, a fraternity brother to bring us, you know, kind of back together again. And uh, you know, I, I talked about that before, and uh, you know, I hate that. And his wife actually, his name is Jim Cast. He's a great guy, probably one of the greatest guys I ever met. And his I wife will actually lives pretty close to me. So I've it a million times over. You know, um, to give a brief plug, I'm, I think you've already talked about him, but. You know, he worked up in this area, and nothing says more about a man. Like, when I tell people I was in the fraternity with Jim, I mean, nothing. I mean, he is, I've never heard a negative word about that man. So, I mean, I think it says a lot about who he was and what he stood for. And world's a lesser place without him, but the good uh, Lord needed him. So, we'll keep moving. No, it is. And you know what? And I, I talked to his wife, and, 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 you know, just she tells me the things he said and did, and, I don't know. It, it, it makes me sad, but I, I will tell one funny story about him, and I don't ever, ever talk about my ex-wife on here, and we all get along great, but <laughs> he was in... We do. It, it, you know, it's... No, it's, I would, it's I'm, just, I'm just laughing, because I just... When you, when you say, for those of you who don't know, my relationship with Aaron in college, <laughs> his ex, I mean, it, it was all kind of parallel. I mean, yeah. his ex was always around, so, you know, I consider her a good friend as well. And so that's why I'm laughing. I mean, it just brings up fun. Well, and I know in a million years, should never listen to this. So he <laughs> in the hospital, and uh, he was in the hospital in St. James. It was before his 40th birthday party. It was supposed to be a surprise, and a lot of people came in town. Matt Lester, another friend of ours, happened to be there, and he was in the hospital. 
and he's just kind of laying in there, and then and you know his wife's just kind of looking at her phone, and and Jim Casty, every opportunity he ever had to tell me, he's like, you know, I I, I never like summer, and that was my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I know, Jim, I got your Christmas card, man. No, I've never heard that, and to give a little plug to Jim, he is a had a wonderful, wonderful sense of humor, but. It was either right or wrong with him. It was yes or no. I hear him slowly telling you that is so great. He told me all the time. He told me at my at my wedding reception, and uh, <laughs> he, he uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, he, and then Kristen pops up, and she's like Jim, and I'm like, and that's his wife, and I'm like, no. He tells me uh, every chance that's, that's he gets, stuff, man. every chance he got, he told me, and uh, uh, I miss him. I miss him, you know, a lot, and I, I feel bad. We all didn't you know, keep in touch more. And I, I live a lot further away than most of you guys do. And, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, like, it, 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 you kind of hit on it, but, uh, another one of our, uh, besides Jim and, you know, me and you, and, you know, I grew up with Matt Lester and yeah, since that funeral, we've really stayed in touch. And so there's that and Mark Randolph mm-hmm. and then R- Randolph's your biggest fan, by the way, me, his father passed away here recently in a in a tragic farming accident. Who's that? And kind of, kind of the same deal, like a core group of friends younger than me. You know, sometimes there's you got to find the light in the darkness, and you know, for every tragedy, it's it's kind of I don't know, kind of open people's eyes up about who your friends really are. Who's dead? Passed away. I missed that part, man. Who you laugh with, and you know, want to share your experiences. Whose dad passed away? I missed that part. Uh, John Hill. Oh, okay, okay. Remember him from Troy? I do remember him. Yeah, his, he got his dad had a bull that gored him. It was just oh. awful. So, God, anyway. bless. Yeah, man, I I hate it. I I hate that it uh, took a tragedy and and uh, yeah, man. Enough enough of that Debbie Downer stuff, man. I I just uh, you know just keep in touch with your friends best you can. There's no reason not to now. There's freaking you know, Facebook, texting, everything else in the world. How the hell do we keep in touch when we didn't have any of this shit, you know? a great question, man. That's a great... But you, you're dead on. I mean, it... I always... Uh, I, when I come in in the morning, I, I seriously... When I write down my to-do list, I try to write down three people that I consider a, a loyal friend that I haven't talked to in a while to yeah. just send a, hey, what's up, how you doing, you know? Because really, I mean... You, Nobody knows what everybody else is going through and what they're facing and dealing with. And sometimes, you know, just that uh, that little nudge of support of somebody that's there, you know, in the battle with you, it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, and I could tell you were super happy to hear from me and Matt after that whole deal, you know. And, uh... It's, uh, you know, we, uh, we could probably be in the middle of a tornado funnel cloud and <laughs> find a way to laugh. But, yeah, yeah dude, it, it really did. It meant a lot. There was, there was a lot. A lot of people that I had not heard from in a long time that reached out. It 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 really did mean a lot to me. Well, man, I mean, you're a good dude. I've always liked you, and you know what you did was obviously it was above and beyond. But really, it was just me and Matt asking if you were okay, and then sending a barrage of Simpson tweets and quotes and pictures, and you know, from, yeah. <laughs> from the nineties. Again, I was putting some kid in the headlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humor gets those things. <laughs> Well, shit, man. Buddy, is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest before before we sign off? No, I, uh, what I will tell your listeners, uh, and not just because he had me on, he actually had to, I don't mean he had to harass me, but I, uh, 
it's therapeutic for me to talk about it, but for, for Bombers listeners, you have a extremely intelligent and extremely open-minded, um, just a downright good human being. I'd vouch for him to anybody for anything, so stay with him and you'll, uh, you'll be better off. Oh, start. Oh, that's great, man. No, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I, uh, I'm also going to find out where he lives, break in, and uh, take whatever food he has and leave him a nice note. So. Well, I don't fucking drink Diet Coke anymore, you motherfucker. So yeah, just... that's what you said. That's what you said. Bro. I got, I got booze. Yeah, the, uh, the Phantom is always around. The, the Phantom. Phantom is always around. <laughs> well, listen to me, brother. Say hi. Say hi to your brother. Say hi to all my buddies there, and uh, I love you. I gotta come. Uh, I gotta come down that way. It's been way too long since I uh, probably. I I I don't know. I was at the downtown, and I drove through some people. Yeah, it has been a while. So yeah, dude, get up here. Got a lot. Of, got a lot of people to care about you. We can have a party and do whatever. Hell yeah, man. Well, brother, take care. And it was so great to talk to you. Hey, back at you, bomber. Love you, man. All right, love you too, buddy. Take care. <laughs> Wow, man, that was uh, that was great. I, I uh, what a guy. I'm gonna end it here. Uh, so until next time, uh, shalom, and please support the podcast and visit the affiliates on my website. The affiliate links on my website, Aaron says what dot com a a r o n s a y s w h a t dot com. Shalom. <laughs>